Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the new episodes of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm a recovering addict and an alcoholic. I'm clean and sober right now, but I've struggled with the disease of addiction for most of my adult life. It began when I was a teenager. I've had bouts of sobriety, and even during the bad times, there's always been some part of me that wanted to live life the right way, the way I am now. This show isn't just for addicts, it's for everyone. Some of my guests will be familiar to you, but their stories will be new, heartbreaking, and awe-inspiring. If you aren't one of us, you surely know us. We are your wives. Your husbands. Your daughters. Your sons. And we've gone through hell to get to the other side. This show is dedicated to the ones who didn't make it. Welcome to another episode of Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. This happens to be the 32nd episode of Radio Rehab. If you would like to call us or text us, the number is 415-496-9511. Email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O-Productions.com. On the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. And please subscribe on iTunes. And say, like it. Did you just say Instagram? Oh my God, I totally did. And I was hoping you'd let it go. Because <laughs> I always listen to Howard Stern. And whenever he says something and somebody repeats it, he goes, just let it go. Just let it go. So yeah, I noticed Instagram came out. I don't know what that is. And I don't I, really don't call anybody out on it. but I, 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 know, I know, but you. thank you because it's me and I'm a clown. So yeah, but I don't know if it's because I've been doing too much baby talk with my cats. I have no idea what caused this. But yes, I said Instagram. Oh God. I know it's like I... It's like when I sometimes say I'm tired. I hate when I do that. I don't know where it comes from. I don't have kids. I'm not around kids. But yeah. So on, on the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter. And the Facebook. <laughs> oh, God. I'm killing myself right now. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. At Radio Rehab, Dana. So today we have a, we have a, uh, a great show. We've got a guest lined up. His name is David Skonesny. He is the COO of a, of a place called Simple Recovery that's down in the OC in Southern California. Um, I don't know if they love or hate to be called the OC, but it's Orange County. That's and funny. I was just watching that show. You, I, I always wonder if, if because they live, the, if people who live there, I wonder if they hate being called the OC because of the show. Mm. I never saw the show, but I mean, Orange County to me was like a place to like, it's like where all the punk rock stuff was. It was like the whole punk rock movement was there. And then I see an ad for the show and it looked like Beverly Hills 90210. I don't know. I mean, I guess every every place, especially was, if there's was, a beach nearby. It was 90210 for the, the 2000s, basically. <laughs> right, right. And I know people way too old to have been watching that that do. Um, anyway, we've got David on the line. So hi, David. Thank you for being on Radio Rehab. Hi, Dana. Thank you for having me. So, David, you are the COO of Simple Recovery, and you and I discussed this earlier. And the main thing that we were going to talk about is that there's a lot of things going on right now with ethics and recovery that I think would be very uh, valuable knowledge to our our audience. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, please. Okay. It's a big topic. Um, I think the, the most pervasive issue ethically in 
chemical to pimp to right now is the idea of uh, body brokering. It is kind of a distasteful phrase or um, uh, human trafficking or, or the idea of buying and selling human life. And I know that um, while I didn't get in the field for that reason, that is becoming a pervasive issue that is really affecting the ability to um, provide services for people. I'd like to discuss the um, the situation that you described to me earlier as to how these people, because you use the word human trafficking, and I know that sounds really serious, but I feel like once the listeners understand what you're saying, they'll see it is serious. It's basically the same exact thing as human trafficking. Um, you know, just nobody's handcuffed or anything, but it's it's still the same thing. So explain to me the situation that you were saying, the that everybody seems to be getting a kickback here. There's a, there's a guy who's planted in a treatment facility, right, that's getting some kind of a kickback. Tell that story so so our listeners can hear that. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I respectfully, I want to disagree just a little bit with the idea that there's no handcuffs because the handcuffs are chemical handcuffs. You know, we're, we're dealing with a, uh, a population, a really vulnerable population that are chemically dependent. And those handcuffs are present. We, um, for anybody that's in recovery, they understand that um, being a slave to what they have to put in their body a day at a time is very much being under the influence of, of these sort of chemical handcuffs. And, and so when they get to treatment, they're super susceptible um, to those handcuffs. The idea, you know, it'd be great to think that everybody that gets to treatment wants to get clean and sober, stay clean and sober for the rest of their life. Um, and sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But what does happen is that particularly in today's day and age of chemical dependency treatment, their presence in that facility, in for-profit facilities, um, has a tremendous value. Um, financial value. You mean the to, addict, the, uh, the person who's in treatment, their presence? Right. right. So there's a dollar sign yeah, on their head. There, there absolutely is a dollar sign attached to them. And, and in ethical facilities, that dollar sign is, a, is attached to the ability to provide them services. And unethical instances, and you know, what we were talking about earlier was the idea that um, these people can be bought and sold. That, that, so the, the plant idea is that there's these professional clients that go into a treatment facility. They're connected with other treatment facilities that will pay them for luring clients out of the treatment facility that they go into as professional clients and into a different facility. They'll get a they'll get uh, paid for that um, in terms of a re referral. What the process looks like is that somebody is in treatment. Um, they're receiving services at whatever level of care. This professional client is in there and starts putting the, the bug in there about, look, I, I can help you make some money. All you need to do is be willing to, to leave this facility and go to another facility. Um, that susceptibility uh, sort of pops up, and, and that person says, yeah, you know, I'm interested in making two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. Tell me what I need to do. Okay, well, on such and such a day, we're going to leave this facility and we're going to go to this other facility. Great. I'm all in. So that professional client will have that conversation with a couple, three, four different clients, pulls them all out at the same time, and then he says, you know what, here's the thing. In order for me to get you in this other facility, um, you got to test positive for some kind of substances. What we're going to do is we're going to go to this hotel, and we're going to party tonight. Um, I'll get you whatever it is that you like to do, 
and then tomorrow we're going to go over to this other facility. You'll test positive for drugs, and then you get to come in and, and start the process, and, and I'll pay you for doing that. Oh, no, by the way, I'm going to pay for your dope tonight or whatever else you want to uh, put in your body. At, at the point of um, being presented with that idea of being paid, uh, to to leave a facility and go to another facility, and oh by the way, getting high in the process, that sounds like a pretty good idea to vulnerable people. Oh and yeah, so they often uh, they often follow through on that. So the people that are that follow through on that, the people that um, are being taken out of this treatment facility, they. They basically the the people get them loaded, and so I mean, in that case, they could actually die. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, we if we look at the incidence of um, overdose among among chemically dependent people, yeah, they could conceivably die. Particularly, and here's the challenge: um, well, you know, anytime somebody leaves treatment, so somebody that you know, let's talk about a heroin addict, somebody that's been um, doing heroin for a period of time, comes into a facility, say they cobble together 30 days of, of clean time, when they go back out, they're at, they are super susceptible to overdose because they tend to think that their body will accept the same amount of heroin as, as that they were doing before they came into treatment, and their tolerance has gone down greatly. And so they end up injecting a, a fatal dose of of heroin it's it's unintentional suicide because they have miss uh or underestimated what their their body is able to or overestimated rather what their body is able to to handle that's a very real possibility yeah and that's how i know that's how so many addicts and so many people i know have died is that exact way they get out of treatment and then you know they have 30 or 60 days clean and they go, oh, I'm just going to, you know, use a little bit of what I used before, not even the whole thing. And their body, their tolerance, you know, has gone back down. And so they die. So that's, yeah, it's like they're really messing with, with life. They're really messing with human life when they do that. Right. Well, it's, it, that's, the, that's the human trafficking part. That's the commoditization of human life because in their minds, in these in these predators and they're absolutely predators and in the minds of these predators they're not concerned about the outcome of that person that they're dealing with they're concerned about their their own interests their own interests or financial interests and and those people uh that they're they're dealing with those humans that life that they're dealing with the only value it has is the dollar signs that can be extracted from it and um so there's no thought of whether or not that human life can uh, expire. There's only the thought of the pot of gold at the end of the, the sort of rainbow that they're after. Well, my question is, how is that legal? Like, how is that not a crime to do that? It seems like, I mean, at some point this has to be, there has to be a penalty for doing this because there's going to be, you know, bodies in the wake. There's just going to be, you know dead bodies strewn all over the place from where these people are trying to make money. Yeah, that's a horrible picture you painted. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm a little I, graphic I, the I way I word things. <laughs> no, man, well, but you know what? That's the deal, right? That's the deal. That's entirely possible. We don't know. Um, we don't know how much death is at the end of this. All we know is that death is this constant specter in, in, um, in recovery. How is it not a crime? Well, 
there's nothing on the books that I'm aware of, and, and maybe I'm ignorant to it, but there's nothing on the books that I'm aware of that states that um, going into treatment and then taking somebody out of treatment is a is a crime. Now, if you provide them drugs, well, you know, that's still illegal. And if, and mm-hmm. if they die as a result of the drugs that you provide, that part's illegal. But the, but the process of getting them to the place where that can happen, as far as I know, is not a crime. And, you know, laws laws can happen, but laws take time. There's, you know, the whole legislative process that needs to take place in order for, for a law to be passed. And, and this is relatively, in my experience, this is relatively new year last year year and a half has been when this has kind of gone on so um maybe there'll be something that'll be passed but right now it's just happening with with dire consequences potentially yeah i mean it just kind of seems the same to me as if there was insurance kickback for people that are in you know actual hospitals and then they go okay we want to take this diabetic patient and we want him to go in this other hospital so you get this money we're going to give you money to take the diabetic out and then, you know, the hospital is going to pay you and then they're going to get money once he gets in there. And it's like, but he has to be in a diabetic coma. So, you know, in the interim, once you take him out of the first hospital, we'll just give him a bunch of sugar. It seems like the same kind of thing to me because, I mean, as addicts, we're allergic to that shit. We can't, you know what I mean? Like, we can't be ingesting chemicals. It's just, it's scary because you, you, once that happens, there the outcome is is... We can't decide what the outcome once that happens. You know, I mean, it awakens it awakens the demon, no matter what, at least. For, for sure, and you know that's an interesting statement that you make about the diabetic client, or you know, if we if, so, if we assume, I, I believe in the in the um, disease model, chem, chemical dependency. It, it, it fits for me. I believe chemical dependency is a disease, and I use when I when I do lectures or talks or talk families or whatever. I use diabetes as kind of a, a comparable sort of, of process. But you would, never, you would never hear of that with diabetic clients. You'd never hear of that with cancer patients. We're not buying and selling cancer patients, but we are buying and selling the vulnerable, chemical, chemically dependent person because they're um, complicit in the, in the process. They participate in the, in the process. They're willing to you know, take on that role. And here's the scary thing. If we're not killing them, Right at the end of this buying and selling, what we're doing is we're turning them into potentially that professional client that we that we started off talking yeah. about. That this person, this person gets bought or sold um, a couple, three, four times, whatever it takes, and they say, you know what? Why should I be the guy making the you know the short dollars here? All I need to do is be that guy that introduced me to this process. I can make more money. So we're increasing that that potential and. The more that we engage in this, the greater the likelihood there's going to be a fatal consequence. And and so this particular uh, uh, market segment, for lack of a better word, the more that it grows, the more that we're creating these kind of predators, the greater the likelihood there's going to be fatal consequence. And I and I bring up that 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 phrase fatal consequence because I've seen it happen. I've buried so many of us over the years that I know that that's waiting. I know that's waiting for it, but I know that that's going to start happening and increasing uh, uh, numbers than it is currently. How can we avoid this? I mean, what can we as a community do to prevent this from happening and to avoid it? I, I like, what's the solution? Well, is there I, one? You know, and I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm working on, I'm working on one right now, and I want to, 
I want to answer the question, and I want to I want to tell you that what I believe a, a solution is. Um, you know, the problem is there's a lot of money in, in chemical dependency treatment, and as long as there's money, and as long as there's addicts, and as long as there's the quest for immediate gratification and the and the desire to have these um, sort of holes in us filled, chemical, financial sexual, all the ways that we seek to fill those holes, this stuff's going to take place. I believe, and maybe I'm naive, I believe that the vast majority of people that get in the, in to the profession of, of treatment or, or professional recovery, I think they're pretty much well-intentioned. I think the idea is that I'm going to show up, I'm going to help some people, I'm going to feel, feel good about that. That's what we really need to leverage. We need to leverage that goodwill. So, one of the things that I'm working on is, um, in addition to my, my role with, with Simple Recovery, uh, I'm on the board of directors of an organization called CCAP, uh, California Consortium of Addiction Program and Programs and Professionals. It's the largest credentialing body in the state of California for drug and alcohol counselors. And uh, on the board of directors, I also serve as the ethics committee chairperson. And, and so I'm involved in a, in a lot of ethics issues. And here's what I believe we need to do is we need to fix this problem from the inside out. And I use a, I use a hockey analogy and, and I, I think it makes sense. I'm, I'm a huge hockey fan and in <laughs> hockey, there's this idea that, you know, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out, right? Cause there's fighting in hockey, but what people um, don't understand is that fight, fighting is really essential in, in the game. Um, it's a way for the players to police themselves on the ice. Um, and if the players are policing themselves on the ice and these little skirmishes and so forth take care of themselves, and when, when the game is taken care of, it has this beautiful ebb and flow um, to it. It's a violent game. There's other violent games, but it, there's a beautiful ebb and flow to it. But when the, when the cops get involved, and in this case the cops are referees, the game is, is interrupted. The, the flow isn't as smooth. And we have this outside influence affecting how – the game is played. Well, using that as an analogy in, in, in the treatment field, I believe that we need to police ourselves from the inside. We need to decide as, as programs, as professionals, as individuals, that we're not going to tolerate this anymore, that we understand that, you know, in a for-profit business that we need to make money, but we don't need to do so unethically, illegally, or immorally. And, and so if we begin to police this internally, I think we can fix it. And, and one of the things I'm working on, and I'm up in Sacramento right now, I'm going to be making a presentation to the board of directors in the next couple of days, is um, I think our industry needs to operate under a uniform code of ethics or code of conduct. And, and that will include not engaging in this human trafficking and the host of other uh, compromised uh, ethics that, that go on. And there needs to be a vetting process to ensure the program's um, are adhering to this uniform code of conduct. Um, there needs to be a, a complaint and resolution process. So if there's concerns about how a program operates, um, there's a complaint process, an investigative process, and then an outcome and sanctions for violating the code of, of conduct that's been established. And then there needs to be an organization overall that provides the, the structure and, and the uniformity for this to exist. And, and CCAP, being a nonprofit organization, I think is a, in a unique position to be able to um, 
uh, provide that structure and to engage in the in the vetting and and um, investigative process of this. And this is really important. It goes back to one of the questions you asked earlier. Um, you're talking about how is this not illegal? Well, CCAP has a very strong legislative component to it. We're engaged with um, um, the state of California uh, in terms of uh, creating uh, laws. Um, we met as, a, as an organization with the Department of Healthcare Services um, yesterday regarding a variety of things. The uh, DHCS is involved in licensing programs. And uh, so we can begin to change the tide from that side too. So we're working from the program side, right? Providing us the uniform code of, of conduct and then and then vetting and maintaining that. And we're looking at the legislative component. If we if we do our job well and, and we tend to do our job very well, we're gonna meet in the middle and we're gonna be able to work on creating a new culture, a new environment for these services uh, to take place and starve out these bad actors. They're just not gonna be able to exist because there's going to be a benefit to being part of the, uh, the process that CCAP's going to be undertaking. So, you know, that's, and we're really early on in that. I'd love to tell you about it as we, as we move through it. But that's the solution that I'm seeing. I like that. So that there is, there is a plan in place then. And for people listening, I mean, the thing that they can know to best do, if somebody's just going into treatment now for the first time, or even if it's for their fifth time, is to avoid people like that because it doesn't, it, it's not going to end well. I, it never does. Um, you know, it, it, in the best of instances, I think we're looking at uh, people that are going to stay within the, the cycle of addiction. And if you're in the cycle of addiction, then, you know, you have that, that constant uh, potential um, outcome. Um, so, yeah, they absolutely need to avoid it. And, and we need to look at what, is our, what are our motives of getting in uh, recovery. And if nothing else, we need to look at whether or not we're going to allow ourselves to be bought and sold like human chattel. Got it. This is a fascinating topic. I'm really, really glad that we had this conversation today. And I hope that we stay in touch and you continue to be a part of the show as things progress with this movement. Oh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and thank you for giving me the opportunity, anything that I can do to to be part of the solution, I'm happy to uh, do. Me too. David Skinesny, COO of Simple Recovery. And also he's got a whole bunch of other titles. I didn't memorize all those, but he's doing a lot of things involving ethics. And I think this is huge. And I think it's not so much something that we can all get behind right now, but it's something that we definitely need to be aware of because it affects us as a community. And as September is recovery month, there are recovery things going on everywhere in your city, wherever your city may be. If you want to find out more, write us, email Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. Phone number 415-496-9511. And we, there's some there's actually a lot of recovery events and stuff like going on around the whole country right now. Yes. For so we're going to put that on our um, on our Facebook page, on the Radio Rehab Facebook page, uh, links to like 
we've actually uh, you've got a friend that's going to be in Nashville later yes. on this month. And, yeah, we're uh, going to talk to them at Recovery Fest. We, we're going to do a live interview with them yeah, at Recovery we'll, Fest. We'll probably get into that next episode. This episode was you know we had a guest on and everything like that, but we'll probably get into more details about uh, about stuff that's going on in the in in the country and in the area for uh, in your area for uh, for Recovery Month. And I just want to close on this one note. If there's a celebrity and they go into treatment and his name's Chubby Chase, you don't need to say the name of the treatment center, okay, media outlets. You could just say he went back into treatment. You don't need to say the name. And after this whole conversation with David, it makes me think that that treatment center gets a kickback. I'm just going to leave you with this thought. It's AA, not A tell everybody. Just saying. Thank you for listening. Stay sober. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body needs